Welcome to the Creative Condition Podcast, the show where I, Ben Talon, illustrator and writer, invite people from the creative industry and far beyond to share their story of creativity, both the nature and the nurture, the chaos and the calm. Creativity is a fundamental pillar of human happiness, something I'm increasingly fascinated by. It is so often misunderstood. So little by little, I hope to build an archive of valuable stories, experiences and tips to help you maximise yours. Today I'm talking to creative coach Kerry Lyons. Kerry joins me and shares her wonderful winding story of chasing that illusion of success and hitting a brick wall in her mid-twenties before turning things around and tapping into a very natural part of her personality that has enabled her to go on and, and help steer and improve the career of many, many creatives. Hello and welcome to the Creative Condition Podcast. My name is Ben Tal and I'm your host. How are you doing guys? I hope you're well. Have you been enjoying the recent run? It's feeling good. It's feeling like there's some momentum back in this thing. And that's been a while. It hasn't... I hadn't found my flow with the podcast for a while. And as we do, I had to go off and illustrate and I had to go off and write some fiction and I'm still doing all those things. But as we're going to talk about with Kerry today, we sometimes just have to nip and tuck and find different structures for the puzzle you know um i think at certain times things ebb and flow and it's good to tap into that feeling and recognize when we need a change and for a while i had to put the podcast on the back burner and just do the episodes as and when i felt was the right time and i'm sure down the line that might come again but for now i'm loving it we've got some awesome episodes coming up for you including dan kieran founder of unbound um who else have we got coming up we've got Adelaide Demoa, awesome artist, cross-media, performance, painting. She's a wonderful speaker. Um, I'm going to get into that one. That's brilliant too. Loads of good stuff coming up for you. So let me know how you uh, found recent episodes. Hit me up at Ben Talon Pod or at Ben Talon on the social media, on Twitter and Instagram quite prominently, also on LinkedIn a lot these days. So get in touch. Always happy to hear from you. Big thank you to founding sponsor of the show, Illustration X. These guys have been there since day one. It was managing director Harry Lyon-Smith who suggested that it might be good for podcasting. Um, I mean, that's still open to debate, let's be honest. But I love it. People listen. So what more do you need? <laughs> Check out their wonderful range of illustration and animation portfolios over at We. Um, Sorry, over at illustrationx.com. The social media that always trips me up at We Are Illustration X. Fantastic range. They're doing loads of motion graphics and animation these days. There's GIFs, there's lettering specialists, live uh, mural artists. It's, it's fashion illustrators. It's such a great range of people on there and they're really supportive of the creative industry. So go and check them out over at illustrationx.com now. So, Carrie Lyons. Kerry and I had been kind of to and fro in on social media for a while before this conversation started as to why we should jump on a pod and talk. Um, and as soon as I, I, I heard Kerry's story, which was a classic story of starting off on a path in life when we're too young to have lived enough life to know whether it's right or wrong, and then screeching to a grinding halt upon the realisation that it's wrong just wrong for the person whose story is not wrong for everyone probably someone else's dream but for Kerry Lyons she hit a point in her life she'll go on to tell us when a lot of things had to be cut back 
relationships had to be ended. Businesses had to be finished. Um, she moved. She went to the west coast of America. It's a, it's a really great tale of, oh shit, this isn't for me. <laughs> and I've gone this far. Oh dear, what do I do now? And what Kerry did was tapped into that very passionate about creativity side of her personality and a very natural tendency to want to help people and started coaching creatives. And that's what she does today. She's also about to launch her own range of um, plates. Maybe I've got that wrong. <laughs> she's tapping into her illustrator side anyway, and she's bringing homeware, kitchenware. That's the one. The words eluded me there for a minute. Plates. Come on, mate. <laughs> but Kerry is broadly talented, and she's going to get into today why and what brings people to her door for help. People who've spent years in creative careers and want to do something new or want to change direction or want to tweak their existing thing and they don't know how. And Kerry's going to get into why it's crucial to break down the stories that we tell ourselves um, when it comes to this stuff and why it is often down to that. You know, why we do set in place these narratives, you know, that I can't do that because of that and I don't have time because of that and I'm shit, I'm too busy and I'm too stressed and I've got kids and it's really interesting when you look at people's narratives and there's many, many valid reasons as to why we create them. Sometimes it's necessity, sometimes it's financial constraints but I ultimately think when you tap into the right thing you find a way. It's like liquid. It's going to seep through eventually, you know? Anyway, Kerry tells it better than I do but um, from Kerry's website... Hey, I'm Kerry. I help high-achieving creatives who've lost their mojo in their career to recover and live their true creative call. I unequivocally believe that, number one, we've a moral obligation to live out our creative calling. Because the more we allow ourselves to live out our true creative potential, not just settle for the sensible version that feels within safer reach, the happier we and the planet will be. Number two, Coaching is one of the most potent secret weapons out there. When you find a great coach, grab them, don't let go, and thank me later. <laughs> Love that. So you can go and check all that out at kerrylinus.com, but I'm excited to bring in this conversation. Um, what's been going on? Heavy times. That's why my first new column for Design Week is on the previous episode of this podcast. So I wrote for Design Week for a number of years, going back not too long, when I brought out my first book, which was Champagne and Wax Crayons, Writing the Madness of the Creative Industries. I wanted to help promote that by writing these opinion columns. And I got great feedback, and I loved doing it, because you could just tap into these different you know, aspects of creativity and being a designer, being an illustrator, being an artist. And then we hit a point where I felt like I was just kind of churning out the columns. So it was like, okay, let's take a pause from this, much like I did with the podcast. But just recently, I'm delighted to say, just recently, I'm delighted to say that thanks to the timing of all this and the Creative Condition book manuscript being over now 65,000 words deep, we've started working together again. So the first of a new series of columns exploring what it means to be creative is out now. And you can hear the, the previous one, the first one, in audio format on this channel so go and check it out if you haven't already heard it if you prefer to read it head over to designweek.co.uk and if it's not already on the homepage, 
just search Ben Talon. Thank you again to the sponsor of the show, Illustration X Social Media. We are illustrationx.com. Get me your feedback at Ben Talon or at Ben Talon Pod. Hello at bentalon.com if you want to hit me on the email. And without further ado, here is Kerry Lyons, creative coach. Um, so, well, I, I guess my creative roots are through my dad's career. So my dad's an architect. So I kind of grown up on going to like sites and like measuring up and wearing hard hats and kind of seeing things like come to life from literal mud. So it's always kind of, I guess, been a part of wanting to see things from nothing to something has always been like a, a part of my life. But I guess my personal vein has been the drawing realm and illustration and I think getting to that age in like the teens where you have to start like making sensible decisions about like how you're actually going to function as an adult and pay bills and things. I had a career person come into the school and they obviously kind of, you tell them everything that you're like crap at and good at and then they just whop out almost like a printout, oh this is what you need to do. And I got introduced to the world of graphic design which was basically described to me as, you know, what artists do if they want to get paid. <laughs> so, and that was like smack bang in the middle of the mid nineties. And yeah, so that's basically where my kind of weather vein directed to. And I think I'm reflecting when I look back to that point, it didn't feel like a moment at the time, but it really, really was a moment because I think a part of me got switched off a little bit in terms of, what I really felt impassioned to do and what I could just do into the early hours of the morning without even realizing it was the early hours of the morning. Mm. And yeah, it was a real, it was a compromise moment on reflection. I didn't realize, but I didn't recognize it as a compromise until kind of recent years, really. So I kind of feel my creativity has always been from a place of, Settling sounds a bit sad. <laughs> it's not really that because I have enjoyed my kind of design career and have done really well. I like had awards and all that kind of pomp and ceremony type stuff with it. But it was always, it was never like the thing. Do you know what I mean? It's like mm -hmm. creativity. I never really got my itch scratched by the design world. And so, yeah, I mean, if we kind of go really deep into like, the therapy of it I think a lot of it and the decisions that I made was about I guess trying to uphold the successful fatherhood career and being that passed down okay so let's do the sensible thing that does make money therefore graphic design mm. but um yeah so it's only been in in the latter years when I've really kind of recognized there's a reason why that hasn't really kind of fired me up and allow me to feel like I'm really expressing myself. And yeah, I've been allowing myself to play a lot more. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's really recognizing as well that creativity is in some people's lives almost as valuable as basic survival. Like if they can't create, it's like a part of them malfunctions a little bit and I definitely resonate with that in that I've kind of when I've deprived myself of it I don't work <laughs> like something breaks 
um yeah i don't know if that's if that's how you feel as well 100 percent. yeah i mean in, you know not to go off on a tangent but in early parenthood i knew i needed some semblance of that and i you know i knew i was all in for those paternal weeks eight weeks whatever it was i thought okay you gotta drop everything for this time because this is you know uh you're in deep but i i was also very mindful i've always been very careful about finding that balance so in my situation my wife laura and i's relationship me as a person and family you know mm-hmm. if you don't find the right balance for you in that then something you know things give out and things suffer and you end up being bad in all of those areas and i think there's mm-hmm. something about that from what you've hit up on there if i don't if i you know again it's like i guess it's like running a creative business if you, do, if you don't take care of the nuts and bolts and the marketing and everything else what good is all the creativity and all the flair if it's, it's going to come crashing down um but i think i think actually i think you hit up on something really valuable there and it's that it's the safety of something that others can understand and something you can hold up to others that goes i found some success this is what it is and this is how i can explain it to you um mm. but even just within graphic design as a, as a discipline it's so vast and you can really make it particularly now thanks to tech and accessibility whatever the hell you want so why mm. it's not crazier and why it's not um i don't know you know more awe-inspiring is probably because of that that very reason it's an age-old thing isn't it that we have to appease others and almost justify leaps of creativity yeah yeah i think so i it's i do speak to a lot of designers and it does seem to be that and i don't i don't think it's like like commercialization of it because i think we all have to have an element of that just the kind of capitalist world that we live in right now there needs to be an element of like how we're gonna put food on our table but i kind of feel like with design and it does depend on the clients that you work with or the agency that you're working for it's that sense of it feels a bit like the soul has come out of it mm-hmm. you know and it's a bit too much for the commercial gain yeah rather than the art and i think that has been part of the conflict for me that i wasn't feeling like as much as creativity is a fundamental part of my kind of value system i think impact is as well and it's recognizing that if it if it is not for some like positive impact on others that isn't just about how someone can make some more money like it's not blow my skirt up <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. um and yeah, and I just kind of feel, I mean, maybe it's just because I'm a bit kind of jaded maybe because I've been in the industry for so long, but I think maybe that sense of the commercial element of it was part of the learning for me that actually the creation and illustration felt a lot more from the heart and from the soul. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you find that with your illustration work that it's, do you feel like you're kind of connecting more to your inner ben <laughs> when you're illustrating versus any other kind of medium yes and i would even you know, do you know what's, i've got an interesting sort of twist recently in the last few years but writing has become a level passion with illustrating interesting, yeah um which is which is uh it's almost a again it's life it's life and it's experience and it's and it's having this revelation at what the age of maybe 30 38 or something by the time i got writing fiction that my passion really has been storytelling 
that underpins mm. everything that I love uh, for pleasure, hobbies, anything at all. Um, storytelling is at the heart of it. And writing allows me a different level of storytelling to my illustration, which has in turn revitalized some parts of illustration, which had perhaps begun just to tire a little bit because I've been doing it almost as a process. So again, mm. this is about me, but I think the lesson is when you really are at peace and tap into your personality, which can take a lifetime to do for some people, it really depends on your own circumstances. That's when everything else kind of in some way falls into place and, and you stop kind of going, but I need to be this and I need to do this to make money because if you've got you at the core of it, and I would, I mean, I want to get into this with you and your work because I imagine this is a, as a wild guess, I would guess this is a, plays a, a major role in your own work. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And helping others to find that. Yeah, definitely. And I think what you're saying there, like having that awareness or self-awareness to recognize actually there's a running theme in whatever creation I turn my hand to, I'm like trying to spot a theme. When you can spot that theme, I think it's really life affirming. And for me, it kind of feels like I have always been that person that has like revved other people up to like believe in themselves and to just create like let yourself play let yourself be free with it and stop settling for things that don't make you happy and that has kind of come through in everything that I've done since I kind of left the agency employed world should I say in like 2013 everything that I've done had this undercurrent of like following the dream has always been there. Mm -hmm. And that goes for like, obviously my, I have in my creative coaching practice, that's obviously a fundamental part of it, but equally in my kind of illustration and pattern design work that I'm now launching, it's almost in that, like allow yourself to kind of go for the bold things, live that bold, radical creative life, mm -hmm. because that's, that's where the juice is, yeah. you know, when you actually let yourself be you without an apology or an explanation, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and people want that. I've not, I've not, I know there's the commercialization thing and I know that it's real and that people feel down on it about, particularly within, I think, within the realm of employment and agencies. But mm. actually I've met countless art directors and, and whatever role I'm working for producers who want that flair and want that personality. And they love when they find someone who's doing that. And it, mm. you know, they, they they understand it in a way that they can apply it to their world. I, just this morning, I was um, I posted, and I, it was about the, like the joy of parameters, about you know, forcing creativity through restriction. And actually, again, when the personality is at the core, you find these amazing ways to tick a few boxes and and solve some problems and actually retain some creativity. And it's a really great buzz. Yeah, you know, at the heart of that. And um, before we get in too deep, you've got an amazing story, by the way, I was reading up before we did this show. And I, I, I'd love it. I'd love if you wouldn't mind just paraphrasing your um, your kind of what's probably going to be a very familiar story of chasing something that wasn't particularly you. Would you mind? Yeah. So, I mean, kind of, I guess, stepping back a little bit to that moment of what felt like a real creative compromise and kind of going the graphic design route, I went headlong into that on this constant pursuit of perfection and then reached that kind of mid-20s point and being like, oh, this isn't anything that I thought it was going to be. All the boxes were ticked. 
like I had a mortgage, I had a car, I had this like career that I've been working for. And then this realization that I felt a bit dead inside, which I think most people <laughs> in their mid twenties now with that like benefit of hindsight, I can see most people kind of go through that, which is not cool. Um, but yes, it kind of brought me down this path then of like really trying to understand what it is that was me and I think the perfectionism tendency that comes with being a creative person and that as a challenge are so like intertwined it's not only it's not really been until recent years I recognized that perfectionism probably gave me that <laughs> or perfectionism like created that experience for me where and even to go backwards a little bit if we're going to go really into the mindset of the perfectionist and the perfectionist creative it typically comes from a childhood where your biggest memories and experiences of like praise and celebration of who you are and you know a special moment has come through you like creating something or working hard to create something and it's in those moments where you get that confirmation that, oh, so when I achieve and perform to the highest standard that I can, that's when I get love. So that's where it's all rooted in until you get to this mid-20s point and go, I've just literally spent my entire life up to this point seeking out that validation and that feeling and realizing, oh, I'm not getting that from anywhere else. Like, it, And then realizing it has to come from within you. So that was that kind of my first kind of pivotal point was that mid twenties point when I just decided to um, leave a 12 year relationship, sell my house, quit my job and head to the West coast of America. Cause that's naturally <laughs> the next obvious step. Um, I ended up finding my now husband um, on that trip and ended up moving to Dublin like six weeks later. So I then kind of got back into the agency world when I was in Dublin, because I wanted to kind of like make my own, I guess, friendship circle that wasn't so reliant on like my partner's friends and and their partners and things like that. So in that experience, I kind of felt like I rekindled a bit of what I enjoyed about creativity and the, the collaboration that comes even just from like this kind of conversation I kind of mentioned to you earlier, it was like, I feel like I just need to talk about this today. I really want to talk to someone like it's like in, in a creative space. Mm. Um, and I really got that sense of like connection and collaboration with the people that I worked with um, back in Ireland. And I think through that, I guess, second run at it, it became abundantly clear there were like the the collaboration and the creation part of it was definitely ticking my boxes, but like the discipline was the bit that was wonky. So that's when I kind of decided quite literally overnight, I'm going to hand in my notice tomorrow and I'm going to go freelance until I figure this stuff out. And so that was my kind of 2013 moment where I kind of then went on this venture of personal development and learning all these things about like, why have I found myself in this like repeated loop of things feeling like they're not working? Um, and then I kind of fell in love with the coaching space. So 
as my, I guess, not, I could honestly, I'm kind of like so mindful of the way I describe myself as well through what I've learned about kind of how to talk about yourself in your mindset. I have had a tendency to kind of go headlong into things. And that's exactly what happened with my coaching that I just kind of like completely fell in love with it, completely fell in love with like that impact piece of like recognizing that the tools that I was learning were really like changing lives and helping people change their lives that I then kind of like almost like cut off my creative valve and the creative process became the building of a business and my own podcast and my own like planner product and like all these like aspirations and goals I had were like coming to fruition and it was like such a satisfying process but again I got to that point of like okay so I've got to the bit where this is where I wanted to be but why is this not feeling like this is enough <laughs> can you see the running theme here mm. and that's when I realized that that creative valve was like a really missing gaping hole that I couldn't compromise on anymore and then because I'd done so much work on myself and I guess that understanding of like why I did choose something different way back when rather than what I really wanted to do it's kind of connecting those dots and seeing oh, actually like illustration is my first love for a reason and then that's allowed me to kind of rekindle that and play in that again and allowed me to kind of like further support the creative community in a coaching capacity instead so I get that best of both worlds that I'm having that impact and that sense of yeah helping positive change and helping people live that radical bold creative life whilst also like honoring that in myself as well so it's been this like intermingled squiggly upside down pro I mean that's everyone's life isn't it really yeah. but yeah I kind of feel like I've reached a a chapter of my life now in my 40s where I'm like I kind of know who I am and I know what I want and it feels really good it feels it's, really good there's just that, that that's thrilling for me to hear because there's so many parallels there between you and I I mean I, I'm the same I have the bull in the china shop thing too you know mm -hmm. when I first started writing the fiction and thought oh, I can do, I'm all right I can do this you know it's like this shit okay there's not you know I started doing it and again it's like right I just want to write every day I want to be a writer and I remember with Laura and my wife going oh it's like, well, you, <laughs> come on just like you you know why like you, you're in this lovely place now where it's pure and there's and then you're not doing it for money right now you know yeah you make a bit of money from your books but you're not at this point you're an illustrator you're a full-time illustrator which you love that's some kind of dream because you're doing that to you know and then you're building this other dream it's like yeah, all right, okay, okay. So I had to kind of reel myself in. And I've and again, I've gone through the same cycles of starting these projects, and that is everything I ever wanted to be. And then you hit the burnout again, or the you know, the, the lack of the balance. So I think, but then isn't that just a life lesson that we can't, we're not perfect, and, and you can only find the answers to those questions by living those experiences as you as you get older. Yeah. And it takes people different times to realize it, and there might be people who stumble right into their own Eden early on, you know. It yeah. happens, but I, I would guess that it's a really minute percentage. And God, I mean, you know, you have to find out, don't you? All so much of what we do is from the personality, and it's about feeling. And I was the only way to gauge that is by feeling it and doing it. So there's yeah. a lot of drop balls along the way, you know. Yeah, definitely. And I think part of the, well, I guess, the pressure that has been different for me this time 
was in the kind of business shifts that I've done in the last year, I had like a big community of people that were like seeing me as their mentor. And it was, it wasn't just like me and like, you know, the like you're saying about your wife, it's that feeling of, you know, there's people I'm responsible for here. It was like, it felt like there was a big community of people that I was responsible for. And it was a really heavy, weighty, kind of long drawn out decision-making process because of that as well. So it's kind of like with each kind of shift that I've taken, with each time it's felt like a, a bigger and bigger moment. But that's also, I recognize something that's like a mindset choice that I've decided that this is a big decision. Um, but yeah, it did feel like it was a it was a non-negotiable decision because it felt so big, if you know what I mean. Like when you know something that feels so right inside, even though it feels like it's a massive disruption for everyone else. That's in my mind something when you know that it's a really important decision to make. Mm-hmm. As in, it's a really crucial decision to make. Almost like the bigger that it is, the more disruption that it is, the right it is. Yeah. <laughs> the more right it is. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Yeah. I'm interested to know. So, with the people, well, I mean, in a minute, we'll touch upon, you know, again, I always overlook the basics and forget to actually get you to say that about your coaching, but we'll, we'll get to that. But I've become friends with a guy here in Salisbury since I moved here called Dan Kieran, and, and Dan founded and ran Unbound. Are you aware of Unbound, the publisher? Um, that rings a bell, actually. Yes, There's it does a, ring a bell. Crowd, it's a crowdfunding, crowdfunded publisher. So they right. can and they kind of say they choose which ones to publish and go for. So it's quite unique and they've been very successful over 10 years. But I was talking to Dan about, and he calls it the second life thing. And, and he said he always used to value people who were on what he called their second life when it came to recruiting. So people who had similar journeys to, to yours, where they reached this point of whatever it might be for them, but mm. had, had got onto something better or something yeah. right for them and he said that that just brought a certain drive and a certain zest with those people so i guess what i'm asking is that do the people you not i mean you know i guess you coach a lot of people but is there is there an aspect of that with the people that you work with where they've hit their own watershed moment or wall or whatever you want to call it yeah definitely and i think that's part of the drug of coaching because once you've seen that in someone and you've kind of played your I mean and it's a small part because it's them you know I'm not a coach that takes credit for like clients achievements but to kind of been a I guess a cog in that process with them to see how they like their starting point to then see them like really come into their own and beam from the inside out it's like a real okay I need the next hit (laughs) hit me up you know like I need to get my next um buzz because it is so beautiful Mm-hmm. it's so beautiful especially when they've come from a place of like crippling self-doubt you know and crippling like that like, completely paralyzed by the lack of confidence and belief in what they can do yet still they have that like burning ember of but it's still here I'm I this still needs to happen somehow some way and to see those kind of clients really like emerge and just like I'm just moving like a couple of bits of internal furniture around in their mindset 
that uh, just unlocks their potential, you know, their belief and their creativity. And it's just, it's mm, yeah. chef's kiss awesome, definitely. Um, and I guess in terms of like the the experience that your your friend was kind of saying there of they have a certain like zest for life that people on their first life maybe don't um i can i can connect to that like mm. because i think that the only way that you can kind of become born in a second life is because of that determination of this this isn't as good as it gets like it can't be this doesn't feel good and therefore i'm prepared to risk a b and c and disrupt a b and c in pursuit of it without mm. a thread of like confirmation or evidence that it's going to work out that's, you know, a really, it takes... that's a really great way of putting it yeah that's yeah. That fantastic there yeah it's that's great I, I, yeah again it is that is that thing it's like you know again as a new dad as a someone who's come very late to writing if you're going to look at late as being late 30s it's like I'm nothing to lose. No one's telling me to do it. No one suggested it. I just fallen into this thing that I love. And it's not that I don't love my illustration. Actually, I, I found that more and more, whether whether it's I guess in similar ways, I like I love the educating thing too. Like I do the odd guest lecture and I do talks and and sometimes I'll hang around for the afternoon and go and look talk to the students about their work. And what an amazing buzz that you've just said there when you see just something light up in somebody's eyes and you've mm. pulled something from them oh god i could do that all day and i come away like it's there's a real crash that happens like i used to go to london and do it at st martin's and when i came home on the train there would be a real crash and i, I often get it after these podcasts too because i'm just so kind of hyped about hearing a story or seeing something changing someone for the better yeah and it's amazing um but that's it it's this you create this biosphere almost don't you and it does um like you said with your illustration the coaching it's it's just about it's about nipping and tucking and, and tweaking the balance of what and that can change too because you know again it's that paying attention to feeling every week every day every hour we can feel different and mm. if you if you don't give yourself flexibility to maybe be all in on one thing one week or make a real mosaic of something the next week then you're denying one of the, the everything that creativity is which comes from within and how we feel in our moods yeah you know. yeah definitely yeah it's um oh it's a wild way of life ben it is it's kind of like you feel like you're almost um do you remember the old national lottery adverts with the big like giant it's you <laughs> you kind of yeah. just get like pushed on the head by this like creativity bug and that's just you've just got it you've just got to sort it out figure the rest of your life figuring out mm -hmm. what that means for you and what you need to do to like scratch that itch yeah. um, but you don't get to run away from it because it comes back to bite you in the bum <laughs> yeah, sure. so yeah. Give us, if you don't mind so give us a little just a little snapshot of of how i mean so let's say i come to you or someone comes to you you know mm -hmm. you're coaching how does that work like what would be a starting point and what would how how do you package it that sounds really bad do you know what i mean i'm, I'm not putting it across well but what give us a give us an overview i guess yeah so i mean it is different client to client i guess the common themes of the people that I work with, they are coming to me typically with a pretty established creative business or creative career already. Mm -hmm. So they've almost, they've kind of reached this kind of, and I'm conscious the amount of times I'm saying kind of, as a brummy, apologies. But I, they, they come to me with a, like an accomplished setup already. So with that, 
comes like a pressure and an outer expectation that they feel of upholding that which is part of the problem like it's come to be expected them come to be expected of them by their like family and friends their clients like it's it feels like a part of their identity and then what they are feeling is is like a real disconnection from what they're creating in that as an outlet Hmm. so they're kind of really just going through the motions they're like creating on some kind of autopilot mode where it's like I'm not I'm not present and I'm not in this and there's a real sense of like drudgery and mojo-lessness that Hmm. kind of I, I recognize now it has like a time limit you know people can do it for x amount of time and then they're like I'm at capacity I cannot pretend that I'm okay anymore and they're at this like crunch point where most people that I work with one-to-one they do have an idea of what they are missing you know they know like for me like it was my illustration say um or like I've worked with designers that have music in them and they're dying to create their own music I'm working with like visual effects people who are wanting to like write their own screenplays I'm working with like journalists who want to be like fiction writers and have begun to like write their own books and it's it's very different kind of um discipline to discipline but they're all come from that place of they have this sense of weighty expectation on what they're currently doing and they don't know how to traverse and also believe in their potential in the new discipline so say it might have been you if you hadn't had that wherewithal and that like rocket up your ass energy to kind of go forward with your writing you're illustrating and like you know that's part of who you are but then you're like you know you've got a book in you and it's like I just how do I birth this how do I get this out of me when my life is just illustration you know so they're coming to that kind of point typically and the main challenges tend to be there has been some painful experience potentially in the past where they might have given it a go and they felt they got stung or they got rejected or they got disappointed so they've kind of built a internal story around why it's not possible for them um or they maybe never gave it a go and then that's built into a different kind of story that's limiting their forward motion as well and we then work together typically over three months sometimes a little bit longer depending on the the kind of personal preference but we dive into some real unconscious mind work on like identifying what these blocks are and kind of jet washing them basically getting like the power washer out the kasha power wash on the patio and jet washing the internal brain it's kind of like a reset right resets them back to that playful five six-year-old version of them where they were not feeling that sense of like rejection or disappointment or concern about how something was going to be perceived they just played you know Mm -hmm. so that's kind of what we do in the work together that we kind of have have sessions over three months and we kind of yeah we kind of zero in I'm not just a detective that's why I kind of see my role as and I'm like asking lots of questions we do things like hypnotherapy and timeline therapy work and we get rid of the inner bullshit by the way I'm okay to swear (laughs) just felt like it needed to say bullshit there (laughs) 
um <laughs> yeah i just help them remove the um the inner bullshit which just frees them up to then create from that place of freedom either again or for the first time and so by the end of it they we agree on like a kind of a an, uh, a goal or a target or a place where they want to be with their creativity and i'm kind of kind of on their case but also a gentle encouraging nudger um to get them there mm-hmm. so it does it's, it's kind of different client to client what they are particularly looking to achieve mm. but that's generally the kind of jumping off point i think um the stories we tell ourselves i mean that's big isn't it that's mm. huge and not just in creativity and in, in everything i guess whether we do in life the inhibitions it's really fascinating I read a I read a book by John York called Into the Woods, and John York was primarily a screen well, more or less a screenwriter his whole career. Worked on Life on Mars, loads of major TV shows. But this is about broader writing, and it's about storytelling even beyond writing. It's just it's about why we tell stories as humans and about the origins of storytelling. But there's a fantastic bit in there where he's looking at Jungian psychology and about how. They say the, the foundation of good mental health is about like the assimilation of all the, the you know the honesties, the good, the bad, the, the things we consider either ugly or things we want to hide away. And that when you can find a, a world for all those things to live and to use them all, mm. that feels good. And you know, I was very fortunate in that I had a group, a bunch of friends who were, God, I mean, in ter- terms of putting their characters out there and being so blasé about that it was a total revelation coming from school and the you know the in-betweener thing and the camouflage and fitting in you know this yeah. was just at first it was a bit of an eye-opener you know they didn't think twice about running around naked when we're all out together and the rest of it but you know this, i mean at times you're just teenage idiots but actually the peace i've had ever since with me and using even though you know I've, my flaws and the fact i'm clumsy and haphazard and and and, and using that in a way that that just gives me armor in the creative industry is mm. incredibly cathartic and i think um you know the story stuff i, I talked to matt essam who's another guy who does sort of business coaching too and he said you know we I, I talked about the fact that i did a lot of writing in early parenthood and it was kind of because i knew i had to for my mental health really i had to retain that like you say i have to create otherwise i implode and it's like mm. he said you know that's the story you you're telling yourself that's your reason to do that whereas there will be other people for various reasons that's their reason not to and it's their way to kind of justify not doing and it's not a criticism it's just it's the it's the story they tell themselves and i think that's really um pertinent um so neuroplasticity that's that i i, I, wanted yeah. to, I just wanted to say it it's on my notes and that feeds <laughs> into what we were saying um it's a good word yeah tell us about that yeah so and this is actually kind of following on from what we're talking about with stories the only way or the only times that stories are a problem is when they become outdated and they prevent us from doing things that we now then want to do. So if you're like in a regular, I say regular, you're in a, just a career that you are familiar with and it's going the way you want to and you're not necessarily feeling like you're having to go out of your comfort zone much, like it all is just ticking over, it's great. It doesn't really matter. Oh. You, you probably wouldn't have a lot of stories to contend with when it comes to your professional life or your creativity. It's only when you are trying to create some kind of change that stories become a more of an important thing to kind of dig into. And so what neuroplasticity is, whatever 
belief system you are currently holding, and this is on an unconscious level, your wiring of your brain is set up in a way to just keep that running on autopilot, right? So we don't want to be changing anything or doing anything unexpected because our brain is designed to go, let's not go into danger, let's not go into pain, let's just keep things exactly as they are. That's basically our wiring. That's what the reason why we're still existing, you know, thousands of years later than when we kind of like were formed. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a better word to like, when did humans start? Um, so that's the reason why we survived, right, as a species is because we have kept ourselves safe. So what neuroplasticity is, is the ability of our brains to rewire and basically create, create new neural pathways that better support what we want to believe, what we want to create, what we want to then have or change. So the beauty of it is that our brains have that capacity. And so even if you feel like you have some kind of story on loop, like I'm not good enough to be a writer, you know, I'm not good enough to be an illustrator, I'm not good enough to really make a go with this, I need to just stay where I am. It's the recognition or the self-awareness that that is only there because it is part of your survival mechanism right it's doing its job exactly right there's nothing wrong with you thinking that way it's only when you want to then embody a different way of living or embody a different version of you that is doing something else with your life that our brains have this ability to change and redirect or recalibrate a connection a neural pathway to create a different reality ultimately so neuroplasticity, it's a bit of a tongue twister, but it's good to say neuroplasticity is our brain's ability to basically believe something that we don't currently believe in a really simplistic explanation. So, and the, in fact, I should say the reason why we can do that is because the only reason our belief system is as it is currently is because of a unconscious or conscious choice to believe what we're currently believing. So all of it was is within our control, and therefore anything we want to change it to is also within our control. And that is something that's really difficult to get our heads around a lot of the time because we're not immune to the fact like there is a capitalist, patriarchal, like very unjust systemic problems society that we live in. And of course those things affect our opportunities and our possibilities on a like neurological level you can change the way you identify you can you can you can identify as a writer and an illustrator you don't have to just identify as an illustrator you can change that which means you can then change your thoughts about being a writer you can change your feelings you can change your actions and your behaviors to fit that as well so that's a very now a long-winded version of Tell me about neuroplasticity. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really good. It's really good. And I think, um, you know, it's something that when I was researching your work for the show as well, it's the, I found really good was the kind of that duality of a fear of failure or change and the mm. excitement about failure, uh, failure unchanged. And sometimes they feel one and the same, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. They're very closely linked. And I think it is that sense of 
if we can realize that perfection and that pursuit of perfection or that avoidance of failure is probably the most paralyzing unproductive aspiration to ever hold and that the opposite so allowing the imperfect in allowing the making of mistakes to happen is actually what we need to aim for because that's where the gold is is everything about creativity in my mind Mm -hmm. because it's i mean and it feels completely against what has been true for me because like my eternal pursuit of perfection has helped me achieve certain things you know have a certain kind of level of success in my career that i wanted until it didn't like it was like it gave me so it gave me something gave me so far got me so far until it was actually the suppressant it was actually the thing that was holding everything back mm-hmm. so it is that weird like it's aiming for excellence over perfection aiming for that like 80% it's getting there and always leaving that room for improvement because if you try and hold on and keep going until you've filled that 100% perfection nothing's going to go beyond your laptop or your sketchpad or whatever it is that you like to play in creatively it's always going to be never good enough yeah yeah and it's so hard to uh it's hard to consciously do that isn't it embrace failure because i mean again failure big words but too too big actually for what i was trying to say but imperfection it's hard yeah. to embrace imperfection because it feels wrong and, it, and you know it's like a kid coloring outside the lines it feels wrong and it's and it's really imitating boys but it's <laughs> also really fun and like i've got two two and a half years of twins and at the minute i'm I just, I mean, God, they're both expressive, but my daughter is so expressive when it comes to mark making. It's incredible. And and she already got this knack of switching media. So as an example, the other day, we were drawing various weathers on the pavement with chalks, like suns and clouds. And she's like, yeah, 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 the rain. And it goes like this. And she just grabs a handful of chalks and goes and lets them rain down with her hands. And I was like, I was shell-shocked. Like, oh my God, it's two and a half. That's really quite, that's very, that's great. And I don't want you to lose that. So I guess actually that that brings up another question that I hadn't planned that's just sprung in my head just now. How much how much of a role do you think the current way of edu- you know the education system plays in some of the hurdles that your clients not just your clients but beyond that but people face in terms of these stories and this linear path where we're told we're good at some things and maybe we're not at others. Oh, it's it's almost fundamental. Mm. It's almost integral to the challenge and the problem because what I see as the design of school pretty much globally, unless people are like homeschooled is to create a compliant workforce, right. That doesn't critically think that doesn't, I guess, want to self-satisfy. They want to like follow a rule book and a, and not that I'm <laughs> like saying, let's just all break the law and be charlatans. Although maybe, but like it's like school has been designed as part of the industrial revolution, right? To build employees that are compliant and they stay in their place in society. They don't get ideas above their station. And the schools that want people to have ideas above their station condition in a completely different way, right? And they're teaching people like kids how to invest before they even started work. So 
the belief system that you kind of take into adulthood, well, it's up to the age of seven, really, it's that imprint period, is a fundamental part of what you're going to believe to be true and possible for you as a creative getting older and into adulthood. So as a parent myself, and I kind of really recognize, and when you can like to talk about your kids as well, it was a real eye-opening moment of that as a massive problem I see in, in how kids are being conditioned. I mean, it sounds a bit like a sci-fi film the way I'm talking about it but it is ultimately conditioning right Mm -hmm. and having that awareness and trying to almost allow my daughter to take on the bits that are a good part of IC's education but also try and dismantle and unlearn things as she comes home Mm -hmm. as well and I feel like like a constant mission for me um and and parenthood was a big part of recognizing my pursuit of perfection It's just not possible as a parent, is it? It's not possible to be a perfect anything when there's a child involved because it's just they don't go together. And so realizing and seeing and witnessing the magic that happens like in those moments of like mess and accidents and I mean, even the emotions of things like what you then get to see as the learning from these things and or it might bring you closer as like a parent-child relationship, there's like so, so much to gain from like imperfection and letting imperfection in. Yeah. And yeah, like I say, the school just does not equip you or encourage you to have that viewpoint. It's like, it's wrong. It's incorrect. No, it's you're failure. Right. And you are exa- exactly right. It is conditioning, of course it is. And um, I think yeah, I've just finished later reading Out of Our Minds by Sir Ken Robinson. And um, he said in that, you know, he said that, that we cannot meet the needs of the 21st century with an education system rooted in the 19th. Mm, you know, it's exactly, and you put it really well yourself there too. And that's what it is. But, you know, I, I felt stupid and, and don't get me wrong. I am a complete dickhead in some areas in my life. But Aren't we all um, though? Because of course we are, and it's fun to be, and you need to be, and and it's like, but I, but I'm not stupid, and I've only come to realise that through creativity over time that what I'm doing is expressing in a different language. It just mm-hmm. wasn't academia; that's all it was, you know. Yeah. Sadly, for a lot of people, they you know they end up end up in either the criminal justice system as you know, kids, or or like you say, in careers that are wrong, or they get to a certain point and they find it very hard to break it. And I, just, I think it creates far more ills in society than it does good things. But there mm-hmm. we are. I mean, you know, it's a conversation I could have all day. Um, yeah, we'll do another episode on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just have but, a rant about schools. Well, yeah, to yeah. your point, I, I'm going to be a real I can see myself being a real antagonist when my kids go to school for that reason. Because, But then at the same time, you know, I, I've got loads of mates who are teachers and they're awesome and they fight hard to get around it. But that's the sad mm. thing, isn't it? That you've got all these talented, willing people who are having to do everything in spite of it, not in yeah. it, you know. And it does, it just it sets people up. So they get in these... Um, patterns of thinking i've gone so far down a certain track i can't you know could, couldn't possibly deviate now or you know how could i me how could i do that it's like <laughs> yeah so um i think it's incredible what you're doing oh thank you yeah <laughs> creating a wave of rebellion is what i'm doing anarchy <laughs> <laughs> no but you, you yourself just having talked to you for this time you yourself will be a great inspiration i'm sure for all your clients because you know I think it's it, there's a warmth that comes across from you and there's a passion that's, that you can't manufacture. And I like to think that with your own story of kind of, you know, the, that that pursuit of the wrong kind of success for you, 
that that will speak to the people that you're working with and hopefully the people that listen to this. Yeah. Oh, awesome. That makes me feel good. Thank you. <laughs> and then, <laughs> Not that you said a nice thing, but that like it's, yeah, it's recognising that it's just being a bit more frank and honest about your own story. Mm-hmm. It, it has a real knock-on effect. There's a ripple effect that can start from that that doesn't just end with people that might be listening to this, but then people who they then might adapt how they might be doing something that affects someone else in a, in a better way. And yeah. Yeah. Flowers and I, to spread around the world. Yeah. And I think for anyone, there's an analogy that just kind of jumped in my head now, but you know, I didn't look at any rock stars or a biography. Would it, would it be interesting if they just came straight out of school and got in a band and were amazing? It's like, no, you want them in limos in swimming pools and you know, <laughs> yeah and the rest of it you know and um yeah and even though all those stories are fun there's massive self-doubt and you know we're, you know we're all kind of to a degree we're all kind of neurotic because we have to be we have to be empathetic and sensitive and, and all the things that make us attuned to the world and tell that story in whatever visual language it might be or you know mm. music or literary but with that comes great sensitivity and and vulnerability mm. and wouldn't life be boring if it didn't yeah, it's like going to the movies and sitting down to watch a film and then going like, oh, I know exactly what's going to happen here. Yeah. And it's like, well, what's the point in watching it? Like you want to be taken on like a squiggly, like way ooh, around the bend <laughs> to then go, oh, I wasn't expecting that. What a brilliant ending. Exactly, or yeah. Start of the next sequel. Yeah. So for anyone who's, who's been listening and, and fancies getting in touch and finding out a little more, where can they do that? Well, I am on Instagram at I am Kerry Lyons, and I'm also on my website at kerrylyons.com. I have my studio literally launching in the next couple of weeks as the time of this being recorded, um, but that's all kind of linked within those places as well. So that's going to be my flagship, like, homeware range awesome. that I'm launching, which is like a combo of illustration and pattern design. So, um, yeah, those are the main places to get me. But I think if you are in a place of, you know, either – just feeling wonky and feeling like you're not sure what your next step is or if you're feeling like I know what I want to do and I just don't know the pathway there or I know what I want to do but I just don't believe that it's possible for me like all of that is figure outable and just recognize that those feelings are there for a reason like they're not a mistake so yeah don't be a stranger that's mm. what I would say that's a yeah. fantastic piece of advice about the feelings being there, actually, for a reason. You know, that's real. Yeah, they are, aren't they? I mean, I like you know, you come out the other side of these personal crises or um, moments of doubt or transition or whatever it might be, and I think you just, um, you know, you look back, don't you, and go, well, I think you hopefully look back and go, thank God. It's like you know, yeah, it's the whole thing. I wouldn't be here if I wasn't there. I hadn't been there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank God I listened to my instincts. Although I saw a brilliant meme that said, trust my gut, you mean the thing that can't digest milk? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's a good one. That's but yeah, brilliant. trust your gut. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. a good one. We, we just, if you don't mind, just, but I never touched, I, one thing I did forget to raise actually is the imposter syndrome. Is, this, is, is that a common thing you, you, you find in the people you work with? Yeah, massively so. Massively so, yeah, feeling fraudulent and feeling like they are not deserving or worthy of the life that they want or the creative expression 
that they have inside them. Mm. And again, it's just rooted in a self-preservation self-preservation kind of mechanism. It's not unchangeable. It is kind of rewirable, but it's also it's something you don't necessarily, I don't think, want to fully get over because it gives you that humility and that sense of like I want to I want to be like grateful and appreciative of everything that comes my way rather than like um you don't deserve my time you know (laughs) we kind of get all up here and ask about it so I don't necessarily think that it's plus the amount of famous people that are killing it are like I guess they suffer as of it, but they very much speak to that as as something they feel regularly. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it doesn't have to stop you. Yeah. Is what I'd say. You can learn ways to bring it along with you. Yeah. And have it be something that's actually a, a leveler rather than a, a hindrance. Very much so. And to add to that, you know, I know that I, I personally know and have seen countless people be awesome at something, the leaders in their field, and then just walk away because it wasn't ever right. And it took them a while to either admit it or hit re- reach a breaking point. So mm-hmm. the illusion of success is very real. And I would just caution mm-hmm. everyone, particularly, you know, going into a winter like we're facing now, then when them dark nights come back, when the rain starts coming down, Mm-hmm. And we're on social media and we see all those kind of highlight reels in our faces. It's like, it's all bullshit, really, to anyone but the person who's living it. And sometimes it's bullshit for them as well. So it's yeah. like, don't buy in. Don't buy into that. I'm, you know, I try and that's why I write these columns and share these pieces and do these podcasts because I I don't think it's an obligation to share the, that side of it. But I just think it's really crucial to know it. You know, I I've, I know so many people who were killed for a change and I know they want to make these changes but are actually doing something and, and it's, their success becomes their trap because they're making good money and it's their thing and all this stuff so it's always layered and even if it is as awesome as you perceive it to be it could never be so for you so I just think it's like again it's you and your story and anyway yeah. you know it's um I think yeah, I feel sorry for young people growing up with that in their face to be honest because without those foundations and that voice that trained voice to kind of dismiss that stuff god you'd be pulled every which way yeah yeah no it is yeah it's a different generation isn't it it's a different um lived experience for sure mm-hmm. but um yeah that's like a full circle moment of coming back to talking about <laughs> that kind of the rising yeah the rising. <laughs> <laughs> well i think we've covered everything unless there's anything else you wanted to to chat about i think uh that's been amazing yeah no that's been great thank you so much for having me my it's been pleasure. an absolute treat i feel like my creativity chat itch has been scratched yes. <laughs> which is great and, um, and would you be kind of send me a link to your illustration stuff because i'm just curious and i'd like to see yeah well it's yeah i'm waiting to launch it um well i've got a delivery due on the 13th of september oh okay. so once cool. once that arrives i can kind of like push live on cool. my thing but yes right. i would love to send it to send it your well, way i'll sit tight and have a look that sounds really cool yeah <laughs> well, thank you ever so much for your time, Kerry. And um, thank yeah, you, Ben. It's been a brilliant chat. Amazing. Thank <laughs> you so much. Thank you so much to Kerry Lyons for spending time with me today. I hope you found that as brilliant as I did. You can go and check out everything she does over at kerrylyons.com and get on her Instagram now. Big thank you for listening, guys. It's always a pleasure. The numbers are steadily growing. Do spread the word. I put a lot of time into this thing. 
and it really is a labour of love and a passion project, building hopefully a lasting archive of creative tips and storytelling that will help people to access their truest self and uh, find their own creative flow. Speaking of, got an episode coming up a little while just yet, but with the brilliant Professor Anna Abrahams, who is a psychologist who specialises in the field of creativity, and that's going to be one mind-bending episode. So look forward to that one. Big thank you to the supporting founding sponsor of this show, Illustration X. You can go and check out their illustration and animation portfolios now at illustrationx.com or check them on social media at we are Illustration X. Hit me up with your thoughts at Ben Talon or at Ben Talon Pod, and I'm going to keep this one brief. Cheers for listening, guys. Go and check out the archive now on Spotify and all those good channels. Um, nice one. Have a great week. See you later.